0: TD Asset Management welcomes you to this week's podcast. As a reminder, this podcast cannot be distributed without the prior written consent of TD Asset Management.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of TDAMP Talks. I'm Ingrid McIntosh, your host here at TD Asset Management. And this week, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. Now, the concept of AI is not new. The earliest references date back to the 1950s. However, 2023 has brought a meaningful acceleration in the use cases for AI that go beyond what we've seen in this incremental trajectory. And most recently, we've seen some of the pioneers of modern AI ringing alarm bells about the pace of transformation we're witnessing. Today, we're going to talk about the new age of artificial intelligence and specifically the impact it could have on markets, sectors, and economies overall. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Vitaly Musinov, co-head of Fundamental Equity Research here at TD Asset Management, Along with Julian Nono Womdim and Juliana Faircloth, lead analysts in our technology semiconductor and industrials sectors, respectively. Welcome, everybody.
2: Good to be here.
1: Thanks for having us, Ingrid. Thanks, Ingrid. Okay, so this is such an exciting and important topic, and it's all over the headlines. And I really want to start with Hugh Vitali. Like, what is it that we're witnessing, and why might this be different?
2: Yeah, well, at first, we almost want to start with uh, exercising a degree of caution because the last few years have seen. So many false starts in uh, in the context of innovation over the period of COVID. We've heard about IoT. We've heard about cryptocurrency. We've heard about five G. And we've often heard promises that we're about to enter a new age of innovation. And uh, as we all learned, those turned out to be incremental technologies more than anything, and in in some cases outright fads. AI we think very broadly defined is, is different now. And I think we'll get into the podcast with Julian and Juliana as to why that's the case. But broadly speaking, we think we are entering a, uh, a period of, of a new cycle of innovation, something akin to what we saw initially 200 years ago in the early stages of the Industrial Revolution with uh, the steam engine, what that did for transportation and, and industry at large. In fact, the first railroad, uh, public railroad, was founded just about 200 years ago. But then, of course, other cycles, electricity in the late 1800s and what that did for telephony and, and other technologies after that. And, of course, the platforms of computing with the transistors and even before that with vacuum tubes and, and, and whatnot. So exciting times. But, uh, yes, a period, we think, where we're going to launch into something new and bigger.
1: So, Julian, I'm going to turn to you as you focus your research around the technology in semiconductor spaces why now what's different? As I said, AI has been around for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years in its earliest instances, but what's changing now and why this acceleration and also why this concern?
3: Yeah, I think it's important to sort of think about semiconductors as being foundational to the economy. Simplistically, I'd say semiconductors are like the vitamins that power global economy. Some are inexpensive and some, like the ones that power AI, are quite expensive. And we've been through this 50-year journey of innovation within the industry. And we've now reached a point where the compute power is sufficient to run extremely sophisticated algorithms. And these algorithms are solving increasingly sophisticated problems. So it's been an evolution, as you say we're reaching an inflection point with ex- some exciting challenges and some opportunities as well.
1: We've talked a little bit, and you know, I've talked a little bit about some of the incremental changes we saw, whether it was autonomous driving, etc. But now when we think about the chat GBTs and, and this real transformation, what is it that is so concerning about really this acceleration or what's different about the way that AI is being used now?
3: Yeah, and Vitali kind of touched upon it earlier. AI is not a new term, as as you say. And I'd say in the past, There's been this effort to port the digital world to the physical world, i.e. autonomous vehicles. That's a a very complex problem and one that we're still trying to solve. And I'm actually optimistic that we will solve it over time. But what happened over the last 10, 20, 30 years and we see in our personal lives, a lot of our day-to-day life has moved to a digital portal. I mean, how much time do you spend on your phone, Ingrid? And as a result of that, ChatGPT, Generative AI is the only instance where we're dealing with a digital-only world, and that's fairly easy for computers to understand. The fact that our lives are, are more digital, the fact that information is uh, uh, contained digitally, makes it easy to analyze, easier uh, than it would have otherwise been in a digital to physical uh, realm. So I think that's the key distinction with respect to why we're seeing this surge and why it's taken on, unlike other other attempts in the past. It can really replicate,
1: to your point, so much more of what we do day to day or what we've historically done can
3: now be done by AI. That's right. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah.
4: If I might add to, I think part of the difference is there's been automation and robotics, which have been in existence for a long time. Those have replicated Small, physical, repetitive tasks. There's robotic arms that lift up a piece in a factory and put it down somewhere else. This is really getting a lot closer to replicating human decision making, human opinion, taking in information and regurgitating something out of that that replicates the human mind more than a physical movement. I love that expression. And to your point, you know, we talk about, you know, the type of innovation you
1: first spoke about, you know, like whether it's in an auto facility, etc. It's like replacing what people can do physically. So it's a productivity boost as opposed to almost like a a replacement or an override is what we're looking at. So let's expand on that, Juliana, because we we talked a little bit about, you know, the technology in the semiconductor space specifically. But when you look at industrials or even more broadly other sectors, give us some
4: examples of how that might play out, like what might be different going forward. Sure. So, I mean, there's tons of examples to think about. I think they're, you know, a little bit less flashy, let's say, than ChatGPT, but robotics have been involved in manufacturing for quite a long time. There's a lot of development now around machine vision that will allow for heavy machinery to be operated entirely remotely machines will be able to replicate human vision and identify and differentiate between different things within their path. Part of the big concern that people have with AI is the amount of jobs that might be displaced if we can replicate so many human functions. What can't be intermediated, exactly. right? Yeah. But at the same time, there are certain jobs that maybe should be displaced by machines. There's jobs that are dangerous working in mines. There's jobs that are dangerous to humans working on the railroads. If that can be automated, Why shouldn't it be? That would be a great step for people and humanity and society to be able to move people out of harm's way more frequently. There's some really interesting examples at a company like John Deere, which, you know, doesn't necessarily seem that exciting, but they have tractors now that use machine vision to spray pesticides only on weeds rather than spraying pesticides all over the field, which ends up in our food and impacts crop yields and impacts our health. So there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I'm happy to go on a tangent about many examples, but I'll, I'll leave it there for now. No,
0: but I think, I think
1: it's important to go on the, these sort of tangents because, again, we think about this as a technology story, an AI story, um, a human capital story, but how would it affect financials? How would it affect other sectors? You know, maybe talk a little bit about that.
4: Sure. Um, I mean, I think the opportunity with AI, there is a lot of applications for AI and machine learning in the ability to analyze data. Every company has data. Financials have data. Consumer companies have data. Every company out there has data. Right now, it's difficult for a human to analyze that data efficiently and effectively and in a holistic way. There's applications for AI within the financials, detecting fraud, helping banks determine who's a creditworthy person or business to lend to, that can all be augmented through AI. Again, there's a flip side to that, particularly with the analysis of data where do we need to worry about artificial intelligence within the banks, more deeply embedding biases that may already be within the system. Those are concerns that people need to think about and sort of again, that dark side of AI where this can help improve the operations of a bank, it can improve people's access to credit potentially, but is there a concern that biases will be doubled down on? Accelerated. Yeah. And I think about different use
1: cases so you know whether it's medical research you know trying to find cures for diseases or even quite frankly investment research you know it's fundamental analysts you have patterns of what you look for theoretically ai can gather information for you but it also could potentially reveal different patterns that you didn't even know that you were looking for different signals i know, i know i really wanted to focus about this conversation on What's happening in the markets, but when you think about things like fundamental research and the use of uh, the use of AI and big data help support that research. Like, can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure.
2: Uh, as I think Juliana and Julian can attest to, these are very rigorous jobs that demand the uh, long hours of work, and we utilize a lot of a lot of tools, um, especially the you know, AI, the human, the human powers in our of our brains,
1: tuition, and your memory, and your gut, and your experience. All those things play in, and
2: and there's a lot of pattern recognition, as you said. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, we are forecasting the future, um, and so far, what we're seeing AI has become very good at doing is taking, institutionalizing, and processing historical information, present information, and helping us eliminate some of the some of the mundane work, some of the drudgery of work. We're already seeing there are tools that can be applied by fundamental analysts to perhaps even cut down the number of hours that we're all working, just to be to make us much more efficient at getting those insights, getting those conclusions, right? Instead of really reading the thousand pages to find that one insight, having AI steer you in the right direction and bring it up to the surface. And that's exciting because it it eliminates the work that you you don't want to do. And it leaves you to sit there, sit back and and think and actually forecast and try to arrive at insights and investment recommendations.
1: Vitaly, I think, you know, as we promised at the outset, we wanted to talk a little bit about impact on markets, on sectors and maybe the, the economy overall or society overall, really. And certainly our um, listeners are always looking for investment themes that might emerge. So maybe let's talk about sort of the impact on markets generally, equity markets generally, from your perspective. I know that we're not looking at a crystal ball, but you know, what do you think? And then maybe we'll drill a little bit deeper into some of the sectors that might be most impacted.
2: It's a great question. We, we do try to forecast the future, and so it, it's a perfectly valid question. Look, at a high level, we're looking at a technology that is going to be an enabler of automation, productivity, and with those two factors, we are potentially looking at higher margins and a greater degree of profitability within, say, the large businesses that comprise the S&P 500. Those are, of course, positives for earnings and revenues and, and typically stock prices. Now, there's a lot more that goes into that, but generally speaking, these are going to be tailwinds that play out over the long run. The big question, of course, is uh, sector by sector. How exactly does that look? Uh, how does the market perceive these changes? Uh, disruptive, and therefore, the market may be willing to pay less for a stream of earnings because it's unsure of the future? Or will the market become euphoric? And uh, as we've seen in, in past uh, periods of euphoria, pay excessive amounts of money for a stream of earnings. So, all these questions are still up in the air, but I think at a high level, these are positive tailwinds to what really matters to business valuations, and that's earnings.
1: I want to sort of double down on that. And you opened up at the very beginning of the podcast talking about some of the trends and themes we've seen in recent years. And again, headlines drive investor behavior at the margin and increase market volatility. So how do we know where to look for the true themes emerging versus the noise? And maybe, Jillian, let's talk about the technology and and semiconductor space, right? There'll be a lot of headlines around this, but how do we talk about our focus on quality and what we look for here?
3: Yeah, there's certainly going to be a lot of headlines. And as we talked about earlier in the discussion, semiconductors, it's an industry that's been around for 50-odd years has historically grown faster than than the market as as penetration of technology has increased. And funny enough, at any given point in time, it's extremely hard to know what is going to be the driver of technological advancement. But somehow, something new happens. In this particular instance, it's AI. As a result of that, there are going to be beneficiaries. I mean, you may have seen uh, NVIDIA reported and the results uh, from the company have shown that the demand for the chips that power uh, these AI engines is, is extremely strong. And so for us, it's take recognizing the demand environment for, for the technology. It's recognizing that some companies are going to be beneficiaries. But at the end of the day, from our perspective, it's a process of analyzing the future fee cash flows of those businesses determining certain bands of confidence around the reliability of those clashes and how, how do we think that they, they materialize and ascribing some kind of risk to it. I think it's very exciting to see technology change, but the process of investing is kind of unchanged for Tali. Like, do, do you think otherwise? I, I think you make a great point, and it, it, it
2: one that I think we should really underline here. Yes, because ultimately we have a, a large research team of analysts that do rigorous fundamental work, and we own some of the best companies in the world in our investors' portfolios as, as a result. And over the past few years, we started with this podcast talking about the various hype cycles around technologies like cryptocurrency and blockchain. Thanks to the process that we've cultivated at TD Asset Management, we have entirely avoided all of these pockets of hype and eventually complete blow-ups. With AI, we are applying the same rigor to investing. And so there are going to be many stocks from here, Ingrid, that double, triple, quadruple, and go to the moon without any merit. And eventually there'll be a price to pay on the other end of that. We don't intend to participate on the upside or the downside of such businesses, but there are others that have real business opportunities in what we're seeing in this period of discontinuous innovation and, and those are the holdings that our investors can look forward to, uh, to benefiting from.
1: Yeah, and I think that's critically important to understand, that focus on research, the focus on quality. I just wanted to double back on the semiconductor conversation, Julian, the, the huge demand for semiconductors. How does that play out from a commodity perspective? Or is there commodity sectors that are impacted in terms of the ability
3: to to create? There there are a number of commodity inputs that go into semiconductors. I mean, the most essential one being uh sand. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. there's
1: lots of that on the planet. Okay.
3: <laughs> yes, it all starts with sand. It's a complex supply chain. Uh certainly the the, the commodity input is is going to increase, but again, it's an area where the industry has found ways to innovate. At the onset of the Russia-Ukraine crisis, there were some concerns around shortages for neon gas. That Those have actually now abated. The industry has found ways to recycle, and that's where we can talk about things like ESG. And in fact, AI is helping the manufacturing process and the design process of semiconductors becoming more efficient. So it's a bit circular in that way. And so as much as I'd like to say that commodity risk is present, I don't know. It's too EVs and lithium, it's not like that. It's there's abundance of what we need. Essentially, yes. There there is abundance and in, in the event that there isn't abundance, innovation will find a way to circumvent that.
4: I think um just since you bring up EVs, it it reminds me of the link there to industrials in the industrial economy is perhaps there's not a clear commodity play on semiconductors, but From a capacity perspective, we don't necessarily have enough capacity. The CHIPS Act in the U.S. is trying to build that up more holistically throughout North America, but there's a lot of investment and spending that needs to go in to support the massive amounts of semiconductors that we need. There's a ton of spending that needs to be done on data centers and that whole infrastructure. So there's there's a flow through to the economy for sure. It may not be commodity specific, but there's a lot of investment in infrastructure.
3: There's a lot of investment indeed. You're right. And I think the other piece to consider is when we talk about certain jobs being automated away, that's a negative. But on the flip side, there are jobs that are being created to build the infrastructure associated with those investments. So I think it's it's important to, to have a nuanced thinking around the benefits and the disadvantages of, of, of an AI build out.
1: And also the agility of people's capability to change their skill sets to evolve with the landscape. And so before we, before we sort of wind down, Julian, let's talk a little bit more about other sectors that you think will be most impacted um, by this acceleration of this revolution.
4: I mean, I see really an, an impact to, to almost all sectors. If you just think about kind of a generic business model The opportunity to use automation and use artificial intelligence to improve a company's profitability and their margins by automating out some jobs or making a process significantly faster or simpler, that would be sort of a widespread way across many industries. I think it will be interesting for companies to observe or for us as analysts to observe How different companies choose to invest in and innovate on their own products and offerings to leverage AI from a consumer perspective. There's a lot of opportunity for different companies to be on kind of the cutting edge of different things. I was reading about all sorts of companies and preparing for this podcast. I thought it was interesting that Carlsberg is using artificial intelligence and sensors to taste beer and select that for people, and it allows them to come up with beers 30% faster than they ever would have come up with beer before, which I'll is- I'll take that job, I don't of... want AI to <laughs> Of course, it's not a groundbreaking, critical innovation to society, but it's indicative of uh, the thought process at a leadership table, right? Exactly, and there's there's opportunity across the board, even in a beer company, can part of that can be automated. They don't need beer tasters anymore. Sorry, Vitaly. <laughs>
3: Next time, I'll find something um, else there. <laughs> it's fascinating because even in the culinary arts, right, I think uh, a number of years ago, IBM partnered with a number of chefs and they used their Watson uh, uh, tool to sort of determine ingredients that pair well with one another from a, from a tasting standpoint. And you have these weird combinations that are just like incredible, like arugula and like green melon. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nobody would have started the day saying, try yeah. this on. Yeah. But the data takes you there. That's fascinating. I think, you know, We've talked about it at different sector levels. We talked about all the positives, margins, productivity, but we keep talking about you know people's jobs being disrupted. So there's got to be a downside in here to the economy, Vitaly. Like, how do we think about that?
2: Well, it depends on how controversial you like to be, but it's a topic of debate that I think the team engages in all the time. The typical answer is that through every cycle of innovation and disruption in the past, you have had jobs eliminated, and it's been a painful period for, of course those who have, have lost the gainful employment, but new jobs were created and and typically more of them. So in, in 1900, England, there are over 100,000 telegraphists and typists and, and such jobs that, well, of course, don't exist and didn't exist within 20 or 30 years. And yet, uh, here we are. So uh, going forward, I, I, I tend to lean a bit in the bearish camp, uh, unemployment here. And we're talking, of course, decades out. But Big picture, this is the first time we are confronted with a technology that is an automation tool at its heart. And we talked about earlier profitability and productivity gains for companies. What that means is potentially less employment. And we've already seen uh, companies signaling that. Um, Again, IBM was actually one of them that said uh, we could see in some of our back office functions, for example, up to 30% less employment as we can make our our existing staff uh, far more. Productive. So, in the long run, you could say I, I'm bullish on profits, but a little bearish on employment, which of course creates the need for another podcast about all the societal issues that this. Uh...
1: Well, I think about, and, and as we have this conversation, I think about what are all the things that we need more of in our society that you can't automate. So, you can certainly automate medical research. You can't automate nursing at its core. You can't automate elder care. You can't automate not a, a number of these other things. So, you know. I think a lot of good conversations still to come in terms of the impact of the AI acceleration, the productivity acceleration, how it impacts. I would love to welcome you all back in future podcasts to continue the conversation if that's okay.
2: That would be lovely. Uh,
1: any closing thoughts or, you know, things that you would hope our listeners would take from this uh, this point in history? You know, hopefully
2: what your listeners have been able to hear today in this discussion with uh, particularly Juliana and Julian is is the the thoughtfulness that we're putting behind the the investment research and the investment opportunities. Julian speaking about semiconductors and, and Juliana speaking about some of the foundational technologies and, and architecture of what's happening. What they're really hinting at, they didn't say this explicitly for the purposes of your audience, but there are going to be different investment cycles that happen as we go through this AI evolution. First, it's the so-called shovels to the the miners in this gold rush. And that's where semiconductors play a role. And Juliana talked about the need to increase capacity in many areas of industrials. But then it will be uh, other types of infrastructure and platforms and operating systems and applications. And why I say all that is, A, again, to, to pat these folks on the back and say what tremendous work they're doing, but then to remind investors that we're in unprecedented times here in terms of the complexity of business, the speed, the rate of disruption, and the complexity of investment research and analysis. And uh, we're certainly making investments on our end to to make sure we're ready for it.
1: I think that's, that's critically important. And I think about future questions that we really want to have. And one of the things I'm taking from this conversation is AI and the growth of it isn't just an investment theme. It's actually a lens through which you look at all investments, right? To your point, Juliana. So I think something that we want to circle back on. Um, thank you all so much for, for joining me today.
3: Thank, thank you. So Thanks. Thank you for having us.
1: And for our listeners, you can find our recently published uh, commentary and perspectives on the TD Asset Management site, along with more of our latest thought leadership and commentary. You can always follow us on Twitter uh, at TDAM underscore Canada. And on LinkedIn at TD Asset Management. Thanks everybody and have a great day.
0: The information contained herein has been provided by TD Asset Management and is for information purposes only. The information has been drawn from sources believed to be reliable. The information does not provide financial, legal, tax, or investment advice. Particular investment tax or trading strategies should be evaluated relative to each individual's objectives and risk tolerance. Certain statements in this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are predictive in nature and may include words such as expect anticipates, intends, believes, estimates, and similar forward-looking expressions or negative versions thereof. Forward-looking statements are based on current expectations and projections about future general economic, political, and relevant market factors, such as interest and foreign exchange rates, equity and capital markets, the general business environment, assuming no changes to tax or other laws or government regulation or catastrophic events. Expectations and projections about future events are inherently subject to risk, and uncertainties, which may be unforeseeable. Such expectations and projections may be incorrect in the future. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance. Actual events could differ materially from those expressed or implied in any forward-looking statement. A number of important factors, including those factors set out above, can contribute to these digressions. You should avoid placing any reliance on forward-looking statements. TD Asset Management Inc. is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Toronto Dominion Bank.
1: TD Asset Management operates through TD Asset Management, Inc. in Canada and through Epic Investment Partners, Inc. in the United States. TD Greatstone Asset Management represents Greatstone Managed Investment, Inc., a wholly-owned subsidiary of Greatstone Capital Management, Inc. All entities are affiliate and wholly-owned subsidiaries of the Toronto Dominion Bank.